1: Sunday war, uh, marked World Autism Awareness Day. Um, April 2nd is the UN-sanctioned day that is the official kickoff to World Autism Month. Autism is one, it's always, it's a mystery to me. It's become incredibly common, right? Uh, relatively recently, uh, if you think about it, uh, like when I was a kid growing up, we didn't hear about it. It just wasn't a thing. And now uh, it seems to be incredibly common. So what have we learned over the course of that time? Are we any closer to finding out the cause, how to treat it, all these sorts of questions? So let's find out. We're going to have a conversation now about autism with monarch, with Rachel Kaufman, who is the COO of Monarch House. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time.
0: Hi there! Thank you so much for having me. Uh, just to here. define
1: what we're talking about here, Monarch House is uh, it, you're you're an agency that deals with um, autism and and diagnosis and treatment and all the rest. Correct?
0: Yes, Monarch House is a nationwide service provi- provider for uh, children and families who have autism and other developmental needs. And really, the the mission of Monarch House is to create a place where families can feel that their child is safe and accepted and where they truly belong.
1: When we talk about autism, like I said, like when I was a kid growing up, and well, granted, it's quite a while ago now, but at the time, we didn't hear about autism at all. And now it seems to be incredibly common. Like, what is the rate of um, diagnosis? Like, how common has it become in 2023?
0: Yeah, so you're you're bang on. The The rate of autism has Increased quite significantly over the last number of years, and there's a number of reasons for that that we can get into later. But currently in Canada, about one in 50 children are diagnosed with autism, which represents about 2% of the population. And we see similar prevalence rates in Alberta as to the other provinces in Canada. Um, Much more recently, in 2023, the CDC, um, the Center for Disease Control in the US, published some data showing. 1 in 36 children are now diagnosed with ASD, <sighs> and we expect similar patterns in Canada to be seen um, in the coming years.
1: Is it remaining fairly constant? Sounds like maybe not. If we've gone from 1 to 50 to 1 in 36 on another study, is it fairly constant, or is it seem to be escalating?
0: So we definitely have seen over the last number of years a sharp increase in the number of children diagnosed. One of the main reasons for that is um, the very reason that I'm here and and so grateful to be promoting World Autism Awareness Month because there is so much more understanding of what autism is and, and lots of really great education about how to diagnose it, what the red flags are, and how to get help to children and families early so that we can support them through their development
1: obviously we have learned so much and i know there's so many different options available but what about any closer to determining what causes it do we have any sort of information on that
0: so we are are closer to understanding this and and lots of work has gone into this um but it is complicated and um we do know that there isn't just one cause but a variety of both genetic and environmental factors one of the big understandings we've now made in autism is that there is a great deal of difference in how autism can impact people. So, some individuals might have profound delays in their development, and others might have um, quite in, um, you know quite mild presentations. And so, this also complicates our understanding of the cause because it, it suggests that there isn't just one cause, but a number of complicated factors
1: in terms of diagnosis and treatment. When does that typically happen? Like, at what age do you typically see a diagnosis take place?
0: Mm-hmm. So, about half of the kids in Canada that are diagnosed with autism are diagnosed before the age of five, um, and that's great news because we knew what we do know is that the earlier we can intervene, the more likely that we are to have really great supports for for children and their families, um, but that does mean that about 50% of the kids are not getting diagnosed until after the age of five and sometimes much older. There, de- there does tend to be some variability in when kids, children are being diagnosed, especially across socioeconomic groups or marginalized communities tend to have um, more delays in their access to diagnosis, um, and we see In particular, some data for children living in indigenous communities that are often diagnosed far later than others.
1: What about in terms of what prompts that? Like, what are some of the the signs that uh, a parent might see that leads them to go and say, "Okay, I'm not sure what's going on here. I need some help." Like, what? How does Mm -hmm. that typically? What's the process there?
0: Yeah. So um, typically, families might begin to observe some delays in their child's development. Perhaps they're speaking. They're not speaking when their peers are speaking, perhaps the children might be interested in, um...
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... very specific types of play
0: or or not as interested in other children in their daycares or in their nursery classes yeah oftentimes we see that preschool teachers or daycare teachers might let families know that they have some concerns and and then typically a family will connect with their pediatrician
1: yeah
0: and at which point they will then access community resources to explore a diagnosis.
1: What's that process like? I mean, I imagine it's traumatic. It's something every parent would uh, have a difficulty dealing with, I think. What's that process like when you get into the diagnosis process?
0: Yeah, so so in Alberta, the diagnosis can be made by a psychologist or a pediatrician, and typically a family would be referred to a local autism clinic um, or a developmental pediatrician who can make that diagnosis. And certainly, you know, as you said, it can be very uh, difficult. There perhaps can be lots of grief associated with it. Sure. So we always encourage families to connect with organizations like Monarchos, where we can provide support to um, explore those feelings and also access. Uh, early resources to help the child learn and develop and address any challenges they might be having.
1: I, you know, for me, just sort of the way I, I approach life is I, I would want to try and avoid it. But I, that diagnosis is so important, right? Because that opens mm-hmm. the door to all the different treatment options that are that are so vital and are available once you've got the diagnosis.
0: Yeah, I think, I think there are sort of three main reasons why receiving a diagnosis is so important. The first is really it can help the individual and their family just better understand the child, their strengths, their areas of need, and find a community of people going through a similar experience, and that really can help create that sense of connection. Um, It can also, as you said, really help to ensure the individual can receive the supports and resources they need. And, and third, in, in most provinces in Canada, including Alberta, receiving a diagnosis opens the door to funding that can support the child and their family with
1: accessing supports and therapies. Okay, I was going to ask you about that. So there is funding available. You're not on your own here. There's there's agencies and government mm-hmm. perhaps that can step in and help out.
0: Yeah, exactly. So in, in Alberta, there's two types of provincial funding. There's uh, family support for children with disabilities, or we call that FSCD, as well as program unit funding that comes Um, throughout the Alberta education system, but um, I'd focus on FSCD for our conversation. And this is a provincial program where families can receive funding for community and home supports for a child that has a a disability, including autism. And this funding is needs-based, meaning uh, depending on the child's level of need and and support, the funding would be uh, provided in a way that takes that into account. So it isn't just a a one-time amount. It really factors in the, the child
1: and the family's needs. And that would be long term. I think in terms of the treatment, it's not like there's, you know, you're not taking pills or anything. I mean, what is treatment like once you've got the diagnosis and you've set up the funding and now you're on the road to try and, okay, what kind of treatment is available? What does that process mm-hmm. involve?
0: Yeah, our our goals in treatment is absolutely not to change the person. We really want to change the environment around them so that the individual can be as successful as possible and live their best life so treatment might look like working on speech and language skills treatment might look like working on um, fine and gross motor skills there might be behavioral challenges that the family needs support with addressing and in our treatment approaches the family is really key to the treatment so it's really uh, providing support to the parents and other people involved to help give the child the best life they can. And so again, it's really not about changing the child or taking a pill to make yeah. autism go away, but really um supporting the child and their family to be as successful as possible.
1: And what kind of an outcome can you expect? I imagine it's different for every child, but in terms of how important this kind of treatment is and what kind of a difference it can make to the child's life and and the family's life around it, how much of a difference can it make?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think As you said, there can be certainly differences in um, outcomes, but treatment and and intervention can be life-changing. We can, you know, an an individual can go from, you know, having an experience where they might need support with daily tasks for their life to being able to be independent and and live um, on their own. It could be the difference between going to school and not being able to go to school or having deep and meaningful relationships with others. And so really it can be life changing for many individuals and and we see that firsthand at Monarch on a daily basis.
1: You know, with so many things and you know, you're getting into these kinds of services and stuff. I know lots of times it's just we don't have enough available. So when you take a look at what's going on in Alberta, I mean when it comes to diagnosis and treatment and all the rest, is it is there a big long waiting list? Is it something that's gonna be, you know, a, a major frustration?
0: Mm hmm. Well, I mean, you know, it certainly is not always without its headaches, but uh, one thing that is a real positive in Alberta is that it is a needs-based program and that families, once they meet the criteria for funding, which includes having a diagnosis and some additional supporting documentation, they can begin the process of completing their needs assessment and then accessing funding within several months. And so, again, that highlights the importance of getting that diagnosis and and really moving forward so that you can access the resources that are available as quickly as possible.
1: Where do you start? Is the first call to the pediatrician? Is that where it all begins?
0: I would definitely recommend a pediatrician. Service providers like ourselves can support with um, screening. We do uh, free developmental screening for any families that are concerned. That is a place to start, Um, especially, you know, pediatricians can be challenging to access. Not every family has a pediatrician. So if if families are concerned, certainly seeking an initial screening would be a place to start.
1: Um, Rachel, thanks so much for your time today. Some great information. I really appreciate you being here.